Well, good Tuesday morning. I am your host, Lucas Kerland, with Tractor Talk, where we will be discussing faith, life, and everything in between those two topics. You know, I was reminded last night so kindly by my friend that I have been forgetting to say my slogan every time I've opened another episode of this podcast. And I appreciate his gracious reminder and that it is true that I have been forgetting to say my slogan. He wanted me to say it three times for, or just to make up for the times that I haven't said it. But I don't think I'm going to do that. Hopefully one time is enough. I apologize to any of you who have may, who, who may have found out that error, who have caught many of my other errors during this podcast. Um, but I will try to be more faithful in remembering to say the slogan. Um, so with that being said, I hope all of you are doing excellent this morning. Hope you all had a good Monday, that it was productive, that you kept your hands washed and sanitized, and that your tulip paper stock is good. You know, hope all that Charmin is stocked up good. Just don't sell it on eBay or Amazon. That's not good. No, I'm just... I am just happy to be alive this morning, happy to be farming. It's a, once again, another good day to be farming outside. It's cool outside. It's pretty pretty humid. It is like 95% humidity this morning, which is 3% less than it was yesterday at 98%. Um... There was fog a whole lot this morning, about 7, 8, 9 o'clock. It's cleared off right now. It's, oh, just about 11 o'clock. But um, humidity has been pretty high these last few days. Um, been pretty heavy dew in the morning, which is not a bad thing. It's good moisture for the ground, good um, nutrients for the soil. And Lord willing, it should make for a good planting season. I think my boss and myself are going to start planting about May 10th. At least that's when he wants to give it a go. That all is going to depend on whether or not the Almighty sends rain our way or just what all goes down. All farming is predicted by the weather conditions, if any of you did not know that. So, so yeah, we'll see how things go. So in this first segment, as I have been religiously doing, is we have been reading the scriptures. The sovereign word of God, the word of God with no error, no lie, no wrong thing in it. The true word of God. We've been able to get into that, read what he has to say, read stories of people that are broken like us, that are sinners like us, all except for Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and who is our Redeemer. Um, If He is not that to you, I pray that He would save you. 
and um, change your mind. And I will do my best to present the clear gospel to you um, with the Lord's help on this podcast. So, without further ado, let us get into the scriptures. We're going to be in the book of Job. Not Job, Job. It's a long O. Job. And before we really, really jump into it, um, we're not going to go all the way through it because we would, golly, we'd be here for hours going through it. We're mainly just going to be in chapter 1 and chapter 2. So really the theme or, yeah, the theme, if you will, of the book of Job is it's a question of faith in a sovereign God. We see, or we will see, that a lot of crazy things happened to Job during his life. And it's just it's just a question that he has or that 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 just when you read the story, that'll be a question that you have is can God be trusted and is he good and just in his rule of this world? The answer to those two questions or three questions is yes, yes and yes. Can God be trusted? Yes, he can. He created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. I believe he can be trusted in all matters big and small. Um, is he good and just in his rule of this world? Yes, he is good. There is no darkness in him, no evil in him. Perfect and holy and awesome and amazing. So, like I said, that's the theme of the book of Job couple of the smaller themes of the book of Job, I guess. And when we read Job, we'll, we'll see that he is a very rich man. God has blessed him with riches that are insane. I mean, he was the richest man in the East, Middle East, um, during his time. He approximately had 10 kids. 11,000 animals. That is a lot of animals. When we read the scripture, it'll show more specifically what those animals were. Um, and more specifically, his kids, seven sons and three daughters. Um, so yeah, let not me speak, but let the word of God speak. We will be reading in the book of Job, chapter 1 and chapter Two. So in chapter 1, it's going to be discussing Job's character and Job's wealth. So here we go. There is a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. Ten kids sounds like a homeschooled family. <laughs> I can make that joke because I was homeschooled. Anyways, um, he possessed 7,000 sheep, that's way too many sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys. So do the math, 11,000 animals. And he had very many servants. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons 
used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. First, or for Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So he was interceding. Um, on behalf of his children before God um, for the sins that they may or may not have committed. So, he was being faithful to God um, in that way. So, we're fixing to see that Satan is allowed to have rule over Job in the way that basically gets to destroy his life, gets to take all of it away. We'll see that Satan is in the presence of God, see that he's in heaven, and that, that may be a question for a lot of you, like, well, I thought Satan was in hell. I thought he wasn't allowed in heaven. Well, see, I had the same question, but I asked my grandfather, who is a um, traveling preacher, if you will, he'll go and fill in at different churches who need someone to speak for them or to just or just to fill in pastor if you will um he he told me that we got to remember that satan yes he fell from heaven he was an archangel he went by the name lucifer I'm sure many of you may have heard him referred to that referred as that he went by that name, um, but since he wanted God's power, wanted to be like God, basically wanted to have him above all other names, God cannot have that, and God cast him out of the heavenly realms and into hell. But Satan has not yet been ultimately defeated in the way that he will be in hell forever. When, when Christ comes back, because Christ has been crucified dead and raised again on the third day after he was buried. And he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the throne of God and is waiting his return. When Jesus comes back on that day, he defeats Satan once and for all. And Satan will have no more rule. But Satan at this time is allowed to roam to and fro over all the earth. Anyways, enough about the deceiver. The evil one don't care about him. He is not God. So, anyways, we'll see that Satan asked to test Job. So, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? And Lord, or not, oh my goodness. And Satan, not Lord, I don't even know who that is. And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? And Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? 
have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? So Satan, you know, is acknowledging the fact that, yes, Job is a rich man, that Job has protection from God, and that all of Job's blessings are from God. Satan's very, very crafty, very smart, but nowhere near as smart as God. does not have God's power. And Satan is continuing and saying, You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand, Satan's telling God this, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. So Satan challenges God, basically, okay, you've given Job all of these things. Stretch out your hand against him and take it all away and see what Job does. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. So that's weird. It's just it's a crazy turn of events. He turns all that Job has and gives it to Satan. He says, okay, here, you have it. But we got to realize God is still fully in control. So Satan went out. Oh, sorry, let me back up a little bit. Behold, all he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out again. Do not stretch out your hand. Do not kill him. Do not take his life. You may say that in some other versions of the Bible. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So now we're fixing to see what the Lord allows to happen. The Lord is still in control here. The Lord sends some of this stuff to happen. But the enemy is doing a lot of these things. It says, Satan takes Job's property and children. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters, Job's sons and daughters, remember ten of them, seven sons and ten daughters, were eating and drinking wine in their older brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So they took the 500 donkeys and the 500 oxen. So that's a thousand animals already gone. And they killed the servants. The Sabaeans killed the servants, all except for one that escaped to tell Job. So while he was yet speaking, that servant speaking to Job, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. So it consumed the 7,000 sheep. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. So Job's servants are being killed, I mean just slaughtered left and right by these different people groups. The Sabaeans and the Chaldeans and Job's animals have been killed and taken away. So golly, all hell is breaking loose. And then here we go um, in what I think would be the most detrimental loss regardless of the animals and your servants being taken away. You can replace animals, but you cannot replace people. Um, There's only one of us. So the servant says, Your sons and your daughters were eating. Remember, it opened. That's how verse 13 opens. Now, there's a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the older brother's house. Now, remember, they've been there doing that. 
servant says, And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people. So this wind came across and just smoked the building or the house that Job's children were in. Crushed four corners of it, and it all fell down upon his children. And it fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. So number one, imagine being the servants, seeing this, and having to go tell your master that all this has happened. Not an easy task. Not necessarily, I don't know if they would be fearful that he would do something to them just because this happened or what. But just, I mean, I would be fearing for my life. I mean, I'm sure that they were doing their best to run as fast as they can get out of those hectic situations. But I really would not have wanted been the servant to tell the father of ten kids that all of his kids are dead. That would not be an easy task. Give me the other tasks. But man, just not, not that one. Not be an easy one to do. It says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So go back with me to verse 20. Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. That's what people would do back then when they were in great distress or in agony or in grief. That's how they would mourn. Job has a lot to be in grief about, a lot to mourn about. His offspring are all gone, dead, crushed. They, they are no more. All of his servants, I'm, which I'm sure he was friends with, they're sure, I mean, just, you know, knew them. They're gone, all killed, murdered. So is all Job's possessions of, I mean, his house, his house is, his animals, they're gone. I mean, he is not in a good position right now, but what I love and what stuck out to me about verse 20, it says, and fell on the ground and worshipped. He fell on the ground and he worshipped, even in the midst of all hell breaking loose, of all the struggle, of all the things that are going on, that are destroying his life. He fell down and he worshipped the Lord. Let me ask you this, listener, and this question for myself. Do we do that? Are we doing that right now in the midst of all hell breaking loose with a global pandemic, with things going wrong, with the society, with the economic society being out of whack? People losing their jobs, not having enough food, not having these things, these things being lost. Are we worshiping, Christians especially, are we worshiping the one and only true God, the Lord, Yahweh, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, one who gives and one who takes away? Are we worshiping Him because He is worthy of it regardless of what situation we are in?
says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. Basically, he's wishing he'd never been born. He's wishing he could die because of all of this was happening. But he still recognizes the Lord. And take note of that. He recognizes the Lord. Do you recognize the Lord? Do I recognize the Lord in the midst of hardship? Even if it's a small hardship. Do we recognize Him? It says the Lord gave. So he recognizes the Lord gave him all the things that he had. His children, his lives, his, his possessions that he had. He recognizes the Lord gave him that. And the Lord has taken away. Recognizes the Lord has taken that away from him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's therefore enforcing that idea of worship. And he's blessing the Lord's name. He's praising the Lord's name during the midst of struggle. Believers, we need to look at that. That's what our attitude needs to be during this time of hardship. We need to be blessing the Lord and praising Him for He is worthy. And regardless of what we go through, our faith needs to be in Him, Him alone. So going on into chapter 2 of Job, where we'll see Job or uh, Satan's second attack on Job, on specifically on Job's health. So it says, Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth. Now remember, the Lord is not oblivious or stupid to the fact of where Satan has been. He is all-knowing. He knows. But if you were a worthless, no-good liar in my court as a king, which I'm, I'm nothing comparable to God's majesty, I would be asking you, what are you doing here? Where have you been as well? So anyways, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? He asked him that again. And there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. So, it's just reiterating or driving home the idea that Job is still a blameless and upright man. Because go, go back, it says, I mean, in all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So he still is maintaining his integrity. He still has um, the uprightness. He has not just given up on God. So anyways... He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. You know, like, the Lord really didn't have a huge reason to destroy Job, but he was just, you know, he, he did it for a reason. He did it not to please the devil, because that's not how God works. But... He did it. See, to test Job's faith. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. It's again, Lord giving Job into the devil's hands, saying, Okay, do what you want. See, see if it happens. Go, 
go put this sickness upon him and see if he curses me. But don't take his life. Don't kill him. The Lord still holds that. So it says, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Job did that, not the enemy. Mind you, this is like blisters from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you get the picture that Job is not in a very comfortable physical situation. Not only is he mourning, has he torn his cloak or shaved his head, not only is he sad and weeping for his losses, for the things that have been taken away from him, but now this, he has sores, he has blisters upon him. And he gets a piece of pottery, a broken pottery that's most likely sharp, and is scraping them. Imagine the amount of pus, the blood, the skin, dead skin, just nastiness and filthiness that is everywhere. Just imagine that. That's disgusting. That's a very disturbing image. But, I mean, what would you do if you were in that situation? And Job's wife comes to him and has to say this. Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of foolish of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So here comes Job's wife, looking at him and thinking, Honey, you look terrible. You look like a mess. Any, any of us would think or say that to someone who was in Job's condition. Okay. Do you still hold fast to your integrity? She's like, look, look what God has caused. Look what this, or look what has happened to us. Are you still going to hold on to your integrity? Are you just not going to curse God. She, she says, curse God and die. Just l let, let that integrity go. Curse God and die. And Job said to her, he stood up and said, or he, he just stood up, to hold, held his position. You speak as one of the foolish women. He called his wife a fool. Husbands listening, how many of you have called your wife a fool? Hmm? Let, let, let's, let's see how many of you have done that. Not very many, I would guess. Anyways, Job says, Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? Evil. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So he did not curse God with his lips. He did not complain. He did not curse God. I like how Job tells her like shall we not receive good from the Lord or blessing and shall we not also receive evil you know that saying I mean shall we not receive the good things that the Lord gives, gives us and praise him and shall we not receive the hardships that he sends and praise him as well the calamity that he sends and praise him that he allows listeners I would have to say that as a 
people, we are generally a people who think we are entitled, especially as Americans. We think we're entitled to money, kids and adults as well, entitled to electronics such as our iPhones, such as iPads, whatever, entitled to having a nice house, entitled to having a nice car. I know a lot of entitled people, even including myself at times. And we think we should only get good from God and that He is just a genie full of blessing and that if we rub Him the right way, He'll bless us with all these new things. And then we cry like little babies and whine and whine and whine. And, oh, things are not going good. Things are just going terrible. I hate my life. This is so bad. Uh. Do we not do that? Maybe not in that dramatic of a manner that I did, but as an American people and as a people in general, we are not a thankful people. We are not having a Job mentality to praise God and worship God, regardless of what we have, regardless in times of good and regardless in times of bad. Do we worship Him? He's not entitled to give us anything. He has all the power to send us to hell. He didn't have to give His one and only Son to come and suffer in our places, to come and die to satisfy His wrath. He didn't even have to do that, but He showed mercy and He showed grace. God did that, okay? But we think we're entitled. We are not entitled. We should be repenting of a selfish entitlement mindset. Okay, yes. We live in America, the greatest country in the world, our very blessed nation. But who do we think those blessings have come from? Yes, that's right. God Almighty. Blessed be the name of the Lord, the one who gives and the one who takes away. If we look at our society right now, He is taking away a lot of stuff. And I believe the reason He does that is to draw us back to Himself. He's taking away financial means because we as a people idolize money. We look at money as a sense of security, me included. He's taking a lot of that away. He's taking jobs away. Are we going to curse God because of that? He's taking so social gatherings away. It may just be social distant. Please don't be social distant from your Creator. Don't be socially distancing yourself from Him. Draw near to Him. He will draw near to you. Don't curse Him and die. Man is at fault. God is never at fault. So anyways, enough of my rant on that. Let us go ahead and finish up Job chapter 2 and that will be our biblical lesson for the day. So talks about Job's three friends in this last part. Verse 11. Now when Job's three friends heard all of the evil that had come that had come upon him, they came each from his own they came each from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him they, from a distance, they did not recognize him. He looked that bad. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him. 
for they saw that his suffering was very great. So Job's friends came. They were going to comfort him, give him some words of sympathy because they had heard what happened. I'm sure a lot of people heard what had happened. And so they were going to come and show him some sympathy, like I said. But they saw how bad he looked and they just mourned with him. They didn't hardly even talk to him. For seven days and seven nights, they made no discussion towards him. So we see, hold on just a second. What in the world? There is a coyote like 80 yards in front of my tractor and I do not have a gun. Are you kidding me right now? What in the, like, I'm just getting closer to him and he's just chilling. What in the world, man? Sorry, that is way off topic. I apologize. Um, anyways, we see that Job went through all of this suffering. We see that he had all of this happen to him. And yet, in what we read, he does not curse God. He does not turn away from God, but he worships and he gives God all the praise and, like I said, does not curse him. I pray that we would have that same attitude towards God. That, that we would praise Him and worship Him, like I said, like, like Job does. Remember, if you are listening and you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, remember that He was also unrecognizable, that He was beaten so much, that He was slapped so much, that He was whipped so much, that He was unrecognizable to the human eye. They went through suffering that much pain for you and for me. He stood in our place. He took our punishment. He died upon that cross for you and for me. God crushed him. Took the sins of the people. A sinless man took sinners, lying, cheating, cussing, hate, murder, sexual morality all upon his shoulders. Took the punishment for it as if he had done it, but he had not. He was then buried, he rose again from the grave, and he ascended into heaven. We are all sinners. Some of us are saved, some of us are not. If you're not a saved sinner, saved by grace, I encourage you to repent. Turn from your wicked ways, your wicked way of living. Turn to Christ. Ask Him to save you. And He will. Put your faith and your trust alone in Him and live differently. Repent. Fall upon Him. Because He is your only way out of hell. Not to a better life. Not to a life filled with so much awesomeness and riches and stuff like that. But if you have Christ, you're more rich than anybody. Spiritually, because you're promised a place with Him in eternity in heaven. So that is what you can rejoice in. Be like Job. Do not curse God and die. Trust in Him. Thank you all for listening to this first segment of the podcast having to do with reading the Bible and um, discussing biblical things. I appreciate you all tuning in on Spotify and maybe on the Anchor app. 
So far, right now, that is the only place that this podcast is available on those is on those two apps. Um, Lord willing, it'll be available maybe on some more platforms that a lot of you who aren't able to listen maybe on Spotify or something along those lines or on Anchor can listen on Apple Music or something along those um, lines maybe. Like I said, thank you for listening. Pray all of you are doing well. Pray all of you are staying close to the Lord and that He'll continue to bless you and keep you safe. Remember to remain in Him. God bless. Over now. You Ain't Met My Texas Yet. That is by Josh Abbott and featuring Pat Green. Very, um, I guess, Texas pride song, if you will. Um, I'm glad to call myself Texan, glad to be from the great state of Texas, the greatest state in all the 50, in my opinion. But then again, that's probably the opinion of people in Colorado and Montana and California. But it has pride about their state. But uh, all I know is don't mess with Texas and everything's bigger in Texas. So, anyway, it's not important, but this is the second part of my podcast, Tractor Talk. And uh, we're going to be talking about the life section of the slogan. Remember, faith, life, and everything in between those two topics. So we're going to be talking specifically about the fact of Texas reopening very slowly, reopening restaurants, reopening small businesses or bigger businesses, and talking about how our governor, Greg Abbott, along with help from Trump and the COVID-19 task force at the White House um, is going to reopen Texas. So, like I've obviously stated or already stated, Abbott wants to reopen Texas and this is what he says. Texas wants to lead the way in opening our state back up. So he wants to be one of the first states that is reopening um, businesses and things along those lines. So, like I mentioned, he is having to partner with Trump and the COVID-19 task force and will have to abide by all of their guidelines um, in the process of reopening Texas. He just can't just go boom and it's going to reopen all like that because we can't rush into this with guns ablaze and we can't rush in to this super fast because if we rush into it super fast problems are going to occur just like you do with anything i mean if i was to make a farming analogy you can't just pull a plow going 20 miles an hour i mean this tractor that i'm on will go 20 miles an hour which is fast for a tractor i mean you, you can't pull a plow going that fast or else you're going to break something you have to pull a plow very slowly or at a speed that it can handle so you do not break it Anyways, I believe that's the way that Texas needs to be reopened along with many other states is very slowly and with caution um, because the disease is very prevalent, it is deadly, it is something I mean, that we do need to be wise about paying attention to, be wise um, 
in how we react and respond to the reopening of our states. So Greg Abbott attended a church service at Presswood Baptist Church in Dallas where Jack Graham is a pastor and Jack Graham is also a part of Trump's evangelical advisory board at the White House. So Graham interviewed Abbott on what some of the, maybe the first steps were going to be or just how how he was going to go about opening um, Texas back up. And Trump also was in on um, this video service, was able to um, watch it. And so they just discussed how that, that was going to happen and um, just the slow, that it was going to be a slow process. And um, Graham made this comment. He says, we don't want to be a part of the problem. We want to be a part of the solution in opening up Texas again at the right time, safely and in the right way. I, I totally agree with Mr. Graham right there. We don't want to be a part of the problem, so we don't want to rush into things too fast and cause even more major problems than there already is. We want to be a part of the solution. So we do want to make the right decision to go slow and not go fast. And I agree with him. We should do it at the right time, safely and in the right way. Don't be foolish in the way that we do it. Live as wise, not as unwise. All of those stories that I got, all of that information is from Fox News. So credit to you, Fox News. Um, please don't call me and I don't want to get in trouble. So that's all credit is due to Fox News where I got that. Um, so just, just be on the lookout for things reopening in the state of Texas. Um, like I said, hopefully things will go slowly and go safely and in the right way, as Mr. Graham said. Um, Lord willing, just over time, things will happen in the right way and things will go according to the Lord's purpose. Be in prayer for our authorities. They need it, especially during this time of chaos in our nation. This time of just not knowing what the next step should be and just having to take it day by day. So even pray for your leaders in this country who you do not agree with. If you're a Republican, yes, pray for your Democrat leaders, Democrat vice versa. We are called to as Christians to pray for our leaders and be also submissive to authorities. Not submissive to tyranny, but submissive to authorities, for God has set them in place. So Romans 13, if you will go look that up. So, said, be in prayer for them, be in prayer for each other, help us all stay strong, help us follow the Lord. Um. That, that's what we need to do in this time. We need to follow the Lord, keep our focus on Him, worship Him during the hard times as well. So, this has been another segment of Tractor Talk, and I am thankful to have done it. And all of you have an excellent rest of your Tuesday. And with that being said, God bless over and out. This is another segment.